Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Beautiful. A lot of joy in the house, and I'm grateful for that joy. Um, wanna want to share a little bit of that jo- more joy um, with you this morning, if we could. One of the things that brings me great joy are the decorations. Now, I wish I could tell you that somehow I had design input. I did not. They didn't let me. They, uh, in fact, they, they said, you can do this, but don't touch. The-. No, they didn't do that. The, um, but yeah, the, it just, it's a, a joyful place, and I'm grateful for that. Some other joy opportunities that many of you took advantage of, uh, not yesterday, but uh, the Saturday before, was Love Gave. And there's some pics that are going to come up about Love Gave as I'm talking about it. But this is this uh, incredible yard give, uh, joyful day when we get to participate by sharing from what God maybe has given us, some gently used items uh, with, with neighbors. And we partner with our partners at Oakbrook Elementary School. And uh, really, they run the thing now. We, we initiated it years ago, but they do such a beautiful job, and they let us come now and participate in this great opportunity to bless our community where we live, work, and play. And uh, it's just an incredible thing. We get to go and do that and, and, and share in other ministries, do other things. And it's just a great way to experience the joy of the Lord is, is by going. There's another great way that we get to um, experience the joy of the Lord, and it's in participating through giving. Now, some, some get to go to other places on the planet for the purpose of taking the gospel of Jesus, the good news. Uh, some people get to do that. One of those people from among us that had the opportunity to do that is Cindy Shirley. Cindy, if you will come on up and if you'll welcome her to the stage. But we, we all have the opportunity to give to the work of the gospel going out. And one of the ways we do that is through the Lottieman Christmas offering. And Cindy's going to tell you about her personal experience with it. Hi, thanks so much, y'all. So, as many of you know, from 2003 to 2005, I got to serve as a missionary in Durban, South Africa, through the International Mission Board, and that was made possible from the contributions that our church and others made to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And today, I want to introduce you to a young kid that I met back then, and he's a man now, so I want to introduce you to my friend Ntlaganipo. South Africa. I grew up in Umlazi. That is a township that is a few minutes just outside of Durban in KwaZulu-Natal. I first met Cindy in 2004. I think I would have been around 13 years of age at that time. Um, and we would meet as a group um, in a small community center around my area. And I can be honest and say at first our meet, the only reason we would ever go to those meetings, that's myself and my peers, um, because there was this white woman walking amongst us who would um, give us candy. But later on, I realized that we were being introduced um, to Christ, and for that, I am forever grateful. I'm grateful I was introduced to Christ because ever since then, I've experienced a lot of miracles in my life. Um, for example, I was raised by my single dad, um, but, but after having accepting Christ and praying over it, um, my parents were able to reconnect 
reconcile and um, they remarried and even to date they live together as a family. But it doesn't end there. Um, I come from a township where nothing good ever grows. Um, but um, I, I believed it was possible and as a result um, I was able to um, finish my high school education. Um, I was accepted um, to law school, something that I couldn't believe. Um, um, I obtained my law degree. Um, I qualified as an attorney, um, probably the first one in my community. In fact, I'm one of the very first people who were able to go to university. And today I am practicing as an advocate. I've recently just started practicing independently as an advocate, which is a lifelong dream. I'm so thankful for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, in 2004, the contributions to Lottie Moon made it possible for me to hear the gospel where I lived, schooled, and played without having to go anywhere or do anything. And for that, I say thank you, and I ask you to continue to support the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Thank you. Yeah, he's quite impressive, isn't he? He's still a good friend of mine. And I want to also encourage you to continue to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And this is the part that gets me choked up. In 2004, in Flaganipo, heard the gospel where he lived, schooled, worked, played because of our contributions to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And there are billions of people out there today who need to hear the gospel where they live, work, school, or play. And I want to encourage you that Lottie Moon is our opportunity to help make that happen. Thank you very much. Amen. And there are billions in need of that message. And we have the privilege to, to give, and some of us at times to go, to take the message of Christ globally. And I, I want to encourage all of us, because we can, all of us can give something to support the work of global missions. Some of you say, Lottie Moon, what, what is, Lottie was one of our missionaries, uh, one of the early Southern Baptist missionaries to, to China. She gave her life uh, in sacrificial service to our Lord to take the message of hope in the Lord to, uh, to those around the world. And we have an opportunity to continue to be a part of that mission. And I want to encourage you to do that. Um, love uh, the opportunity to share in joy with you. But I want us to talk a little bit more uh, about joy this morning. And I want us to think specifically about how does the joy of the Lord come to us? How does the joy at Christmas make its way into our lives? And uh, I think one of the best places to start when we think about joy is kind of asking the question, what is it? And a good way to figure out what something is is to ask the question, what isn't it? So I want to start by thinking for a moment what, what joy may not be. Uh, joy is not just an emotion. It's not, it's not an up and down kind of thing. Um, let, let me give you a, a couple of pictures of, of word pictures, if you would, of what joy isn't. How many of you think of, can, can bring an image to your mind of Scrooge when I say it. Now, not the person next to you. Don't elbow the person next to you now. But the, the, the kind of Scrooge, you know, the, 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 the Grinch that stole uh, Christmas is another one that you may think of. Can you picture Grinch, you know, that big green guy, you know, with the curled up lips, that kind of thing? Well, I, I think a lot of people think, okay, that's, that's not joy. I get that's not joy. Um, but my concern is sometimes I'm afraid that people go far onto the other extreme, to that 
kind of fake, phony, overhyped kind of joy people try to manufacture, and they become like another character that I want to plant in your brain. How many of you know who SpongeBob is? Okay, well, that's not joy either. Okay, neither of those two extremes are, 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 are joy. Joy is something much deeper, something, something much richer. In fact, I, I, I have a little guess that if we did a survey right, survey right now and, and asked, who would you want to be more like, SpongeBob or, or, or you know, the Grinch or the Scrooge? Most of you would you know, go with the Grinch because at least he was cool, you know, and, uh, and you know, he did make the turn one day, and, which was a good thing, but I, I, none of us really want to be that SpongeBob thing. And that's because we know, we know just deep down in our souls that's not really what joy is all about. So what is it? What is genuine joy? Well, it's not those things. It's not this emotion. But what does it look like to, to have joy? Well, here's what I think it looks like to have biblical joy, Christmas joy, that we're going to look at. And I think it means this. It means that I have strength from God, strength given by God, to face anything that comes. Anything in this world that comes, I have strength from God. I have, I have the certain confidence of knowing that no matter what comes, I'm blessed of God. His blessing rests upon me. No, no matter what happens, the blessings are still there. It, it means outwardly that I can live a life that is less stressed because I, I, I know that. And, and it's because the, the joy that we're talking about today doesn't, doesn't come from, from what, we, what we have it, it comes from what can't be taken from you. Because a lot of things that you have can be taken from you. So it's not just in the things that we have, but it's in those things, something that you have that can't be taken from you. For instance, if your joy, you try to wrap your joy up in your job, your job can be taken from you. You could lose that. Some of you have experienced that. But joy can't, can't be taken from you no matter what your circumstances because God has a vocation for you, a purpose for your life that's not related to your job necessarily. Also, you know, a relationship could be taken from you. It, it, it's happened. People have lost loved ones, uh, sometimes through, you know, tragedy and death, sometimes through divorce. The relationships have, have shattered. But a relationship with God can never be taken from you. You can have joy no matter what in your walk with the Lord. Your home, the house you live in, could be taken from you. God's grace can never be taken away. You can live in the grace of God always. Your physical life could be taken from you. But eternal life with God through Christ can never be taken from you. Joy, joy is there no matter what. And that's one of the reasons the Bible can say... In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice when? When? Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Hey, let's memorize this verse. Don't you think you can memorize this two-word verse? It's a two-word verse. I know some of you are thinking, I can't memorize. You can memorize a two-word verse. Say it with me. Rejoice always. There, you can check the scripture memory box today. Okay, you got it done. Rejoice always. Now, I'm just going to confess something here. I have difficulty with one of the words in that verse. Anybody else struggle with always? 
I mean, I like to rejoice. I like, to, I like to, 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 for, for, for Kyler and Gabby and the worship team to lead us in worship. I like to rejoice. I just can't promise you that I like to rejoice always. Sometimes it doesn't come, you know, as easily as it does at other times. But that's because in those moments I have forgotten what joy is. Because joy, true biblical joy, can be lived in continuously. It can happen continuously to have that kind of joy. And I want us to look today at um, how that, that comes about. Now, one of the things that I think some people think is that, that joy comes from having perfect circumstances. Well, if you wait for perfect circumstances to come, you're going to wait a long, long time. And if by chance they do show up, you know how long they're going to last? No more than 30 seconds, and they're gone. Those perfect circumstances. So how, how do you find sustainable joy? How do you find sustainable joy in a broken, imperfect world like the one in, in which we live? In the midst of a pandemic? In the, the, the midst of a, a, a planet that a tornado can come through in the middle of the night and, and, and just wreak 200 miles of destruction? and take human lives and, and destroy people's homes and places as a business. How do we have sustainable joy in that? How do you have sustainable joy in a world where you can sit across the desk from a doctor and he can tell you the results are back and it's not so good? I spoke with a mom on the phone last night who she heard these words this week. Her daughter... Um, was in the hospital with COVID pneumonia. And the doctor called and said, we've got to move her into ICU and we're having to put her on a ventilator now. How do you, how do you have and experience sustainable joy in the midst of news like, like that? How do, you, how do you do that? Well, friends, the, the message of Christmas joy is that God came to bring his joy into that world. That kind of brokenness and pain and sorrow. And that's what I want us to look at. And I want us to, to take kind of a glimpse of that through the lives of the people who lived in that first Christmas. Because they all had joy. Shepherd had joy. The shepherds had joy. Wise men had joy. Mary and Joseph had joy. We just, we just see joy breaking out in the lives of ordinary people that came from all walks of life that faced all kinds of different challenges. But they all experienced joy, and they expressed their joy. And here's something really cool about their joy. It wasn't just for them. Did you know that? Their joy that they experienced wasn't just for them. It's also for us. I want you to look at the, the next verse that's going to come up on the screen. If you print it out, the outline, it's Romans chapter 15, verse 4. L listen to the word of God here. It says, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. It was written for, for us. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. What, was, what they experienced and then what was written down is for you. So that you might have hope. So that you might have hope in the joy uh, of Christmas. This is good to know. When you pick this book up, what's in it wasn't just for them. It's for you. It, it's for us to, to live from and to experience. So each of them... In the Christmas story, each person has something to teach us about joy. 
Now, as I was thinking about that good news that came, and, and that was good news back then, and it's good news today. But I was thinking about how news gets communicated, you know, in our day. News, most of us, I think, get our news from the Internet these days. And you know that you have to kind of click through it to get to it. And one of the things that they try to do is, you know, the side panels of the other stories? See, they, they make money when we click on those side panel stories, too. And so they try to create these kind of headlines that draw you in so that you'll click through. And I was thinking about what, what, would, it, what it would look like for, for some Christmas headlines. So I, I went on and started Googling around, and I, I came across this, that it was a high school um, journalism class assignment, and it had to do with Christmas. And these high schoolers were basically assigned to come up with a headline that would be clickable, that would draw people in to click on the headline uh, about Christmas. And so here, here's one of them that, that I, I read I thought was interesting. Um, it says, uh, this lady says, the baby I'm holding is here to save the world. I'm still a virgin. And eight other crazy quotes from a lady who just gave birth in a barn. That's kind of a long one, but I thought, that'd probably get me to click on it. The, um, here's another one. A surprise royal baby. Well, it worked for Prince Harry and Meghan, maybe, maybe the rest of us. Um, next one. Four ridiculous gifts to give at your next baby shower. I wasn't sure about the four. I, I, I don't know where they came. But anyway, there must have been a fourth gift. Y'all research and let me know. Um, next one was what the shepherds did will shock you. I might click on that. This was my favorite one. Who's the daddy? <laughs> Woman claimed God. Fiance says it's not mine. You know, th those, would, those would get me to click. Well, here's what I'm hoping to do this morning. I'm hoping to get you to click on some of the, the main ideas that I want to communicate today about joy. And I want you to click on it so it opens to you and it becomes you know, part of your life that you don't just read it, but you take it in. And, 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 and it just kind of washes over you. Because each of the characters that we're going to look at bring us something that we can learn about biblical joy, the joy of Christmas. The first group that I want us to look at are the, the shepherds. From the shepherds, we can learn to, to know this, to look for joy near us, near us. How many of you have ever walked up to a map? You know, maybe, maybe you're at uh, a rest area at the interstate and you, you walk up to that big map and it says, you are here. It's got a little dot right there where you are. You know, I'm talking about maybe an arrow pointing to it. Well, here's what most of us do. We, we want to look at where we are, and then we think, where's joy on the map? And we want to look for, where's joy out there? Friends, joy is always right around the dot. It's always right around where you are. The, the joy that the Lord wants to bring into your life is not far from you. It's always very, very near you. That's the way biblical joy works. If you look at the lives of the, the shepherds, you'll see this in Luke chapter 2. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. It, it was right near them. The joy that the Lord was going to expose to them, they, they didn't have to, to make this great trek. God just brought joy right, right around where they were. It goes on to say they were in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were filled with great fear. So here, here are these shepherds and they're, you know, they're, they're watching sheep at night, watching sheep sleep. 
You know, that, the only thing more boring than watching sheep is watching sheep sleep. Say that three times fast, okay? That's really boring. You know, you're just sitting out there and you've got these white blobs in the darkness. You know, maybe the, the moonlight will show you where they're at. But that, it's, just, it's just kind of a boring, you know. Sleeping sheep are just kind of a boring thing. And they're sitting there in their mundane lives watching over the sheep. And suddenly, in the midst of this, God shows up. Joy shows up right, right smack dab in the middle of where they are. And God wants to show up for you with joy. Right where you're at, right where, where you're facing, in the here, in the now. Friends, that's the great hope of the joy at Christmas that the shepherds can teach us. God is able to show up in your life no matter what you're facing. Whether it's boring or, or breaking you right now. God, God can show up right where you are. Genuine joy can come while you're going about your, your most routine of days. You don't have to go on vacation. So many people think you got to go on vacation to find joy. You know what the problem with that mindset is? Is even though you go on vacation, you always take your biggest problem with you because you know what your biggest problem is? You. I'm my biggest problem. We're all our biggest problems. So you can't, you're not going to find joy on vacation because you're there. Your problems are there. Your, your, your stuff is there. We, we're there ourselves. You know, we take our stress and our struggles and all those things with us. We're the ones with the attitudes that are blocking, that are cutting us off from joy. You don't have to leave your job to find joy. You don't have to vacation from your family to find joy. One of my favorite words from the whole Christmas narrative is, is found in the verse we read a moment ago. It's that word suddenly. Suddenly, God, God can show up. God can appear. God can make a difference right where you are, bringing his joy. Everything can change. Many of us have been on the change, experienced the change quotient on the other side of this. Some of us have gotten a phone call in the middle of the night that we didn't want to get. Some of us have uh, either been with someone or personally received a diagnosis that we didn't want to hear. Suddenly, you were in an auto accident. There are a lot of negative thoughts around suddenly, and things can change for the worse. But friends, the truth about Christmas joy, biblical joy, is the same thing can happen on the other end. You can experience joy suddenly. It can begin to break out in your life. Suddenly, God can do something new, and your life can begin to look completely different, and you can start to see hope. You can begin to look at life differently. You can begin to see that God loves me no matter what. No matter what I've done or how long I've done it, it's, I can see the love of God. I can see it no matter what my circumstances are. I can see God showing up. And that's what happened to the shepherds in our story. They saw God suddenly show up, bringing good news that, that brought great joy. And that's the message of Christmas. It can happen wherever you're at, right, right here, right now. Because joy is not about your circumstances. A second truth about joy that we learn from uh, uh, those people in the Christmas story, those beings, we can learn from the angels. And the angels can teach us that we can't create joy. Joy is not something that I can create. It's not something that I, I can manufacture. See, the angel showed up to declare 
God sent joy that first Christmas. God sent his son to us. He sent joy to us. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 10. It says, And the angel said to them, the, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. This will, this will, be, this will show you that I've sent this. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So joy is near, and joy can't be created. It can only be discovered being sent to you by God. Now, different people have all kinds of different strategies for trying to create joy in their lives. Here's what some people think. Some people think if I just work harder, if I just get that promotion, if I just push more uh, at, at my career, joy will finally come to me. Well, here's how I can promise you that doesn't work. Because do you know what that person's called? They're called a workaholic. Have you ever met a joy-filled workaholic? They come far and few between, folks. There are just not many of those out there. They're not filled with joy because you can't, you can't manufacture it. You can't work hard enough to, to create it or even discover it. You know, some people think that I'd be joyful if there wasn't so much bad news, and so they just kind of stick their head in the sand. And they try to kind of deny reality, you know? And they're not joyful. They may be blissfully ignorant, but they're not filled with joy. It, it just doesn't happen. So some, people, some people think that, you know, joy would happen if something wonderful would take place in my life, some lucky circumstance, you know, that, that, that would mean it would, it would be great if I could, could win the lottery. Have you ever done any reading about people who win the lotteries? They are some of the most miserable people that ever walked the planet. Now, not every one of them. I know, you, I know you'd be the exception to the rule. I know that. But so many live in utter misery now. Because they didn't have real joy. They thought it was joy, but it, it, it wasn't. See, God wants to bring joy into your life. He wants to bring joy into everyone's life. That's why this good news of great joy was for all the people. Every individual person on the planet. God wanted this joy to come to. And you don't have to spend the rest of your life trying to find or create what God has already sent. If you, if you spend all of your life trying to do that, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the joy that God has for you at, at, at Christmas. A lot of people work really hard trying to create it or, or find it, discover it, think they can dig it up somehow, only to find out it was there all along and they missed it. The angel said, God has sent joy, good news of great joy for all of the people. We, we've talked about this before. You remember what the difference between good news and great joy is the difference between good news and great joy is good news is when it happens to you great joy is when it happens to me if you if you came to me this morning and said joe i won the reader's digest you know sweepstakes award seven million dollars and i would say good news tithe don't forget the tithe. good news <laughs> but if if kathy came in this morning and said, Joe, they called. 
You won the, the sweepstakes award from Publishers Clearinghouse, $7 million. Friends, that's not good news. That's great joy for me. See, there's a difference. The difference is that from good news to great joy is it's personal. It, it's personal. See, God intends for you to have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus. It moves you from understanding, getting, I got some good news, and it becomes great joy. Only when it becomes personal for you. And see, this is how personal God wants to be with you. God has great plans for your life. Plans for a future and a hope, not for calamity. God says he knows the plans he has for you. God, this book is filled with promises from God for your life. He has promises for you that he wants to fulfill in Jesus. God loves you no matter what. That's one of his promises. He loves you. You matter to him. See, Christmas joy only comes when it's personal. When you recognize that it's found in Jesus, it was, it, it was sent for you, it, it's, it's here, it's right near you, you can't manufacture it. And it becomes great joy. That little bit of good news can become great joy. And I want you to notice what the shepherds did. Well, this isn't in your notes. You can go back and look it up later. I'm going to read it to you. But in Luke chapter 2, it's not even going to come up on the screen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17, it says, After seeing him, after seeing the angel, the shepherds um, told everyone, or excuse me, after seeing the, the, the babe, they went and told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were, the Bible says, astonished. Some translations say uh, amazed. After seeing the Christ child, the shepherds went out and they started telling everyone. They went and told. See, here's a, another deal about joy. This is a sidebar. Joy is first, it's first, it first comes to you. You know, it, it, it first comes into your life. It's sent to you. You realize it was sent to you. And when you realize that, one of the thing, first things you want to do is you want to share it. You, you want to share it. Remember, the shepherds, you know, they had that boring life out there in, in the woods. They, they, they came in contact with this. They were astonished. And then they went, saw the child. They were astonished, and they went and shared it with everybody. That's God's plan for his joy, is that, is that we would share it. And so I just want to say for, for, for the sake of joy coming into this world fully, share the good news about Jesus that you carry. If you carry it, share it with people. Invite them to join you at church. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the love of God. The, the, on, on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about what it means to be fully accepted by God. But invite people to come and join you. If they're concerned about, you know, not gathering, invite them to join a live stream service where they're going to hear the good news so that they can have joy too. Friends, one of the principles about joy that's just so real is this. You can't bottle joy. If you bottle it and put a cap on it, on your joy, it will eventually sour. It will eventually become sour. The way that joy gets refreshed in your life is you unscrew the cap and you shake it out on other people. You pour it out on other people. It has to multiply so it comes back to you. Just a full measure of joy. So take off the cap. Shake it out there on other people. The joy that you have in the Lord if you have joy. It's near us. We can't, we can't create it. God sent it to us. The wise men teach us something about 
biblical joy, about Christmas joy. And it's this. They teach us that when we learn, you know, that, uh, that, that joy is available, we, we fully pursue it. We, we pursue it with our, our, our whole hearts. When we finally start to see the joy of the Lord, we want to follow it wholeheartedly. Now, I know this may sound a little cliche, and some of you are going to remember the, 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 the Michael Card song, There's Joy in the Journey. There is a joy in the journey of your life. And joy can grow because joy, biblical joy, Christmas joy, is a process. Some of you will remember the story of the wise men. The Bible tells us they came from a far eastern land away from Jerusalem. And they they saw this new star. And for them, it indicated something in the cosmos that something great had happened on earth. And they got a little bit of joy about it. And they got excited about it. And they began pulling, you know, looking through records and decided they needed to kind of follow that star. And so they left everything. They dropped everything that they were doing to follow that star because they knew there would be more joy. They thought this, that there would be greater joy out there. And so they left everything to begin that journey. Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that once they came to Bethlehem, they saw the star again. It says this, when they saw the star They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, they may have had a little bit of joy back east, but man, when they got to Bethlehem and saw the star over the place where the Christ child was, they they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They had been on a long travel, and they got filled with joy. It was a process for them. It happened suddenly. The star appeared. But there was a journey for them to find fullness in joy. And that, that's true for our lives. It will take some time for that joy to build into a, a, a fullness. It's how it happens for everyone. Joy comes near us. We begin to understand that we just can't create it. We understand that we can't manufacture it. That it has to be sent from God. But when we see it, when we get a glimpse of it, we realize it's worth pursuing with, with our whole heart, with our whole mind. L- listen to these next couple of verses. The psalmist writes in Psalm 30, it, it says, verse 5, Weeping may last through the night, but joy, it comes in the morning. It, it may start in tears. It may start in sorrow. It may start in, in, in grief. But when you spend time with God in the midst of that, Joy comes out of it. Jesus himself taught his disciples that would be a rhythm of joy. In John 16, 20, this is, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples on the night before he would suffer and die that cruel death on the cross for their sins and ours. And Jesus said this, truly, truly, if Jesus repeats himself, you ought to listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Friends, often the path to joy is a path through tears. It's a path through sorrows. It's a path through suffering. But in those moments is when you recognize God is, is with me. His presence is with me. I'm thankful for that. And as you, as you realize that, your joy grows because joy, biblical joy, is a process. It can't be found you know, instantly, it can come upon you suddenly, but for you to experience the fullness of joy, it's going to grow in your life over, over a process. Here's the problem with most of us, though. We, we want that instant 
gratification. We want that quick fix now. We want that, that kind of rush. And so people jump into things like they, they dive into this thing that new stimulation. Or they'll jump into a, a new relationship. And after a short while, because they thought they were going to find joy in it, they end up worse off than they were before. Because what you're looking for when you pursue those things is not true joy. You're just looking for some type of rush, some type of, you know, something, a quick fix to, to your sorrow or to your mundane life or something. See, lasting joy only comes on this journey through life with the Lord. This past week, I was struggling with some things, uh, one thing in particular, kind of sorting through it in my mind, just thinking and praying and struggling. I don't know what your prayer life looks like, but that mine looks like that sometimes. And, and one of the questions I was asking God and saying to God, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out. God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to change the trajectory of this thing that's going on? God, what are you going to do here? And I've been reading through the Psalms. Um, I talked about Psalms 138 a couple weeks ago and reading there. And this past week I was reading in Psalm 148. Um, I, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday I came to Psalm 148. And as I was reading Psalm 148, I, I read these words in verse 13. Psalm 148, 13 says this. Let them all praise the name of the Lord. For his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that happens in my life is, uh, and I maybe have tried to train myself to think this way, but one of the things that happens when I'm reading God's word is oftentimes those words become pictures in my mind. And I, I, I see what the words say. And I just pictured suddenly God towering over my problem. I had been looking at this problem that was towering over me. And then I saw God towering over my problem, my, my circumstance. And that brought joy in my life. It gave me joy to know that God, though this circumstance felt like it was over me, God was over it. God had his hand on it. He had, he had control over it. And it gave me joy in the middle of what felt like a, a mess. Friends, no matter what sickness comes, no matter what diagnosis comes, God towers over that. No matter what the, your financial world looks like, no matter what the start market does, God towers over that. No matter you know, what your struggle is, whether you're grieving right now, God, God towers over that. Whether you live with feelings of inadequacy or feelings of not being fully loved, God towers over that. And he speaks that to us, that he's greater than anything we're going through. And that's where, that's where real joy comes from, is making the journey through that kind of life. See, the wise men, they knew that. That's one of the reasons they were wise. And they got a little small glimpse of joy, and they pursued it with their whole hearts. And I know this sounds cliche, but we all know it's true. That the greatest journey begins with what? One step. All great journeys begin with a first step. And the first step of the greatest journey towards joy is this. You recognize, you see that God is with you. You see that God is with you. He's with you in whatever you're facing. 
That's why God gave Jesus the name through the prophet Isaiah, that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. One of the things I love about the Gospel of Matthew, you're reading the Christmas story, you get to the end of the first chapter, and one of the great messages there is Isaiah, I mean, is Matthew quoting Isaiah, that his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And then guess what happens when you get to the last chapter of the book of Matthew? And you get to the last verses of Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus himself is now saying, I am with you always. Friends, the the journey towards joy, that kind of life, begins with the first step in which your mind gets cemented in it that God is with us. Another lesser character of the Christmas story is a man by the name of Simeon. We don't know him and think about him as much in the Christmas story. He, he actually shows up eight days after Jesus' birth at the temple where Jesus is being brought by Mary and Joseph to be dedicated. But from Simeon, we learn that joy comes by changing what we're trusting, comes by changing what we're putting our trust in. Again, we don't know that much about Simeon. We know that he, he believed that he was going to see the Messiah of Israel before he died. And his words may not seem as inspiring as some of the other characters do, but Simeon recognized that Jesus was this long-awaited Messiah. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and following, Simeon says this. He blessed them, speaking of Mary, Joseph, and, and, and the Christ child, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. I love the way the New Living Translation uh, translates that verse. It says, He will cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. This this man, Simeon, he was telling the truth about what joy looks like in our world. See, in our world, there are some people that are going to hear the truth about Jesus bringing joy, and it's going to cause them to fall. There are going to be others who are going to hear the truth about Jesus bringing joy, and they're going to rise in, in that joy. And we see this being played out in the life of Jesus. We, we, see, we see people who fell. We've seen King Herod, who was holding on to his power. He thought he had it all together. He fell. In Jesus' life as an adult in his ministry, we see the Pharisees who were clinging to their life of religion and legalism, despising everybody else. They fell. They fell, all of them fell because they were clinging to what they already had instead of what Jesus came to bring them. See, people who found that great joy let go. They let go of what they may have been, you know, clinging to, putting their trust in, in in order to embrace the joy. And you've got to let go of those things that you cling to that you think are going to bring you joy in order to grab onto real joy. So the question is today, what is it? What is it in this life, in this world that you're clinging to, that you're thinking this is going to bring me joy? Is it more education? Think if you, if you have a little more education, that's going to bring you joy? You, th- you think it, it, it's your career? or your family, or your marriage, or or some kind of hobby, that those are the things that are going to bring you joy? See, what what, what is it that you've banked on, but it hasn't brought you joy yet? You haven't seen a glimmer of it. 
most people just cling to these things. And when, when it fails to bring joy, most people don't let it go. What do we do? We just work harder. We push on it harder thinking this is where our joy is going to be found. But joy can only be found in Jesus. Joy can't be found anywhere else. And Jesus says joy is only going to be found in a connection with his Father through him. In a relationship with him. By the way, you know, even if you have a terrible family and a rotten career, you can still find joy in Jesus. Even all those other things may be lousy, you can still find joy in Jesus because that's where joy is found. But this is what it comes down to. It comes down to this moment of letting go in order to embrace Jesus, to grab onto him. It's in that moment that I have to choose Am I going to pursue life in Christ or am I going to keep pursuing these worldly pursuits? And when you're faced with that, you got to let go and begin putting your trust in Jesus. And I don't know of anybody better from the Christmas story that demonstrates what that looks like than Jesus' mother Mary. And she helps us one, one last thing about joy. And it's this, that joy comes most often after we make a difficult decision. Mary obviously had incredible Christmas joy. But when you look closely at Mary's life, you'll discover that her great joy came only after she made a very difficult decision. Mary had so much joy that she breaks out in spontaneous song. She just kind of writes a song right there on the spot because of the joy that she's experiencing. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Mary had so much joy she couldn't contain it. She just shouts it out in song. But that's not where Mary's story started. It didn't start that way. Mary had to make a decision. Mary had been put in a very difficult position. If you go back just a few verses to verses 29 and 30, you'll find this out about Mary. It says, she was greatly troubled at the saying. This is when the angel came and visited her at the saying. And she tried to discern, which means she's confused. She's not understanding what's going on. What sort of greeting this might be from the angel that says she was highly favored. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. So now we know she's, she's afraid. For you have found favor with God. I mean, this, this tells us that she was greatly troubled. This, this discerning that she's trying to do tells us she was confused. And because the angel told her not to be afraid, we know she, she was afraid. She was troubled. She was confused. She was afraid. That's where Mary's life started in this journey. That's where we see her to begin with. You know, we like the singing. We like the joyful song. But we forget about the starting point of Mary's, Mary's life in this. She was a teenage girl who now has to go tell people, I saw an angel. I saw an angel. You know, people today think people who see angels are crazy. Mary, Mary lived in a world like that. But she was, she was going to have to tell people, an angel came to me. And, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm pregnant. And God's the daddy. She knew it wasn't going to play out well with her mom and dad. She knew that wasn't going to play out well 
with her fiance. She knew that wasn't going to play out well with absolutely anybody. So she is troubled. She is confused. And she's afraid as any of us would have been. Any of us. So what happened? How did we go from verses 29 and 30 to this joyful song? Look at what happened in verse 38. Mary went through a difficult decision. She made it. A difficult decision. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary made this decision of ultimate surrender. She just ultimately surrendered everything to God. Instead of trusting in herself, she trusted totally in God. She surrendered to God. Friends, joy is most often always found on the other side of a difficult decision where you're being called to totally throw yourself into God's plan for your life. Joy is on the other side of that. But here's the deal for all of us. It's it's true for me. It feels easier to put my trust in myself because I'm right here. I, I, I can see me in the mirror, you know? I know what I think. And so it it just, our reflex is to put our trust, to surrender to ourselves. But that never brings us joy. We have to surrender to the will of the Lord. And, and, And Jesus not only taught this, but he was the living example for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 with me. It says this, speaking of Jesus, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised its shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, Jesus did not want to go through the cross. We know that from the way he expressed his life in, in Gethsemane. He didn't want to go to the cross. But he trusted God that on the other side of the difficult decision to, to say, like his mama had said, your will be done, not mine. Your will be done. I'm your servant, Father. On the other side of that, he trusted there would be joy. And Hebrews 12 tells us it was for that joy. The joy of knowing that his death on the cross would pay the penalty that you nor I could pay for our sin. That his resurrection would give us power over death that we did not have. That's joy in Christ Jesus. He had joy because he knew he was bringing that for us. And and Jesus' joy, he didn't want to keep it for himself. He knew it would sour. He wanted to share it. And so on the night before he died, he had his disciples around him. He told them this in John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus does not want you running around with a half a tank of joy. He don't want you running on a quarter tank. He wants you to have this endless supply of joy in him for what he did on the cross for you. Knowing that he was going to the next day suffer and die a horrible death. Knowing that three days later he would be raised from that death and joy would break out on this planet. He wanted his disciples, his followers, then to know that. And remember, if it was for them, it's for us. He wants his followers today 
to know that Jesus wants his joy. Can you imagine that? Having the joy of Jesus? Jesus wants his joy to be made full in you. He's working to bring that kind of joy in your life. And so here's, here's what you and I have to do. Jesus, how do we collaborate? How do I collaborate with what you want to do? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to embrace, Jesus, about you that I'm not? What do I need to repent of, to turn away from, to receive the fullness of your joy, Jesus? What, what is it that's going on in my life? What do I need to stop j- chasing after? Because you've already sent joy. Where does that next first step for my life, my joy journey begin? And when you take that to Jesus, he wants you to be filled with his joy. That's the message of Christmas. And that's how Christmas joy comes to us. Pray with me, okay? Jesus, I, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what everybody out here is facing. I don't know the condition of each heart, but you do. You know what each of us is clinging to, what each of us is afraid of, what each of us is confused by. You know what is blocking the fullness of your joy being manifested in our lives. You see that. And so we come to you right now, Jesus. Asking you to show us. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would just bring to mind whatever it is each of us is clinging to that is prohibiting us from living in the fullness of your joy. I just pray that you would show us. Lord, we want to receive the fullness of that joy. We want to live in it. We want to celebrate it. We want to share it. But we've got to We've got to be experiencing it personally. So I just pray right now. And and maybe you're here today, and and this is the first time that thought that you could have a full measure of Jesus' joy has come to you. Maybe it's the first time you heard that, that God loves you. He has a plan for you, and that plan is for joy in your life, beginning now and lasting all eternity through his son, Jesus. And that what you need to do in this moment is just pray, Jesus. I'm letting go. I'm letting go of trying to be in control of my life. I'm letting go of thinking that I can save myself. I'm letting go of all of that. And I decide today, right now, I'm making that decision to trust you. That may be a difficult decision for you. Would you just pray, Jesus? I know that you are the joy giver, and I am here today to receive my eternal joy of life in you. And the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord that way, surrendering, repenting, you'll be saved. Most of us, what we need to do is just re-surrender something that we've clung to again, that we've run back to again. We need to release it so that we can experience the full measure of joy in the Lord. Jesus, we come to worship you. We know that you have come to bring us life, come to bring us joy in you. It's in your name that we pray.